Show number 15 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Before we go any further, I'd like to say when the ship starts rocking, it goes this way, then it goes that way, then it goes this way, then it goes that way. I'm not talking about dilithium crystals. And I'm not talking about Gene Roddenberry. I ain't talking about the planet it up. And I ain't talking about the Horta. I ain't talking about Miramata. And I ain't talking about the Tribbles. I ain't talking about Mars. I ain't talking about Venus. I ain't talking about Bones. Yahura. Jacob. Spock. He's the sexiest fucking skinhead in outer space! And his name is William Shatner! heard was um, the opening to a, a song called William Shatner. <laughs> Amazingly enough. By a group called the Scofflaws. And that's from a live album of theirs. But um, we have a wonderful person who sent us this. Yes. And so just to clarify, that is the beginning of the song. And if you listen to this podcast all the way through, you'll hear the end of the song. And it's, it's great. <laughs> it's great it's wonderful. But it was sent to us by a person named Kin. And he is our fan club in Israel. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Ken. But I wanted to read his email to start off with because it just ties up a whole bunch of stuff I thought was wonderful. He says, I'm with you on the TOS is by far the best series. I was a teenager in the barren years <laughs> between TOS and TNG. Our hearts go out to you, Ken. I threw a party for my senior high school class when TNG premiered. I think at some point we turned it into a drinking game based on how many times Tasha Yar declared that she thinks she can take the enemy to <laughs> her. I considered throwing another party when she got killed off. <laughs> anyway, enough of my bona fides. Um, I have a couple things to add to your Star Trek obsession thing. thing. I'm not sure if you've ever run across either. I wouldn't be surprised no. if you had. The first is the ultimate in geek porn, and that is at sexytrek.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I wrote back to Ken, but I'll share with the rest of you that, yes, I have gone there, but you have to pay money. Yeah. And none of us are willing to pay money. No. You know, a long time ago I went there when I think they had, um, like, a little free preview that you could yeah. see some of it. And it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Well, but um, Ken goes on to say, his name implies it's a porn site built around women and the occasional men getting it on dressed in Starfleet uniforms. Very funny. The second is a song by the ska band, The Scofflaws, called William Shatner. So he sent us that. It's wonderful, and we wanted to open the show with it. It's great. That's like the perfect piece of fan mail. So first of all, it was him <laughs> um, sharing some stories about how he was involved in Star Trek and his history with it. Then he sent us a, li a link to a sex thing. <laughs> And then he sent us a song about William oh, Shatner. Yeah, this, this is perfect. Does it and get better than that? No. Uh, no, not really. And, you know, unless he sent us William Shatner himself. Well, that's true. That's true. So um, we want to say 
Thank you so much to everybody for all the great email and the comments that we've been getting. Um, ever since we got listed on the front page of Blogger, it's been amazing. So all you new folks, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And, and please, you know, send us comments. Keep on sending us things because we just love it. It's great. And we do love when, when you tell us your stories yeah, about track. Yeah. That, that's, we just, we just, we bask in all of it's that. It's just wonderful. So, um. We wanted to talk a little bit. Okay, wait a minute. The show is Look at His Butt. Oh, that's right. The name of the show? <laughs> and I'm Jungle Kitty. Oh, and I'm Lena, and this is show 15. Show 15? Okay, good. Got that got, out of the got way. Got that out of the way. Now we all know where we are. We're looking at William Shatner's butt. And we are on course for, for, okay. for more. We wanted to talk a minute about the Emmys. The Emmys. We wanted to wrap up a little Emmy stuff last time, of course, as, as faithful um, fans, I guess, will have seen we were posting some stuff in the interim because it was just too exciting to keep to ourselves. You yes. know? We had to share all these things. So we had a few more things that we wanted to share. Having um, We just watched a tape of some of the Emmy stuff, which was really good to see. Um, did you want to talk more about the song with the clips in the background? Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, when he did the Star Trek theme with Frederica von Stadt, First of all, that that Donald Trump won was just a total ripoff mm-hmm. because they were the biggest hit with the audience. Oh, yeah. They they were great, um, but for those of you who didn't see it, behind them as they were doing this, they were showing clips from Trek, and it was kind of nice. At the end, the very last clip was McCoy and Scotty, yeah, you know, who have nice. both passed on, so that was very nice. But also very close to the end, <laughs> there was a fabulous butt shot uh, right behind them. It was... They had to include it. I was looking for an EVE, and I didn't see I it. I didn't see that either, but no. there was a butt shot. So they know. They know what Trek is about when they put that together. That was good. Uh, we also watched a little clip of Bill being interviewed on the red carpet going in, which was funny. Yes, he said his wife beats him. At everything. At everything. But yeah. then he said he, he she beats him constantly and and okay she spanks him right totally totally and he was looking at the interviewer with serious lust in his eyes as he was standing there holding his wife's hand i know just like you know turned faced her the charm just it's, it's a woman yeah built just, and then he starts talking about hard and thrusting and <laughs> just sort of babbles you know it was like okay he's he's excited to be out of the house oh, isn't that he was good. <laughs> So that was great. We watched his acceptance speech, which was excellent because it was short. Mm-hmm. It was about 15 seconds. And, then and it was, was it was about, you know, other people. And it was actually kind of related to the show. David Kelly. I mean, these people get up there and thank, I don't know, their agent, their third grade teacher. It's like, what does that have to do, really, yeah. with you winning the Emmy? Maybe it has something to do with you getting the job. Yep. But anyway. So that was great. So we saw that. And then um, we saw a little bit of the coverage backstage after the Emmys when um, he was taking some questions from the press. And, uh, well, you should say what you just said about it. Well, I said what I liked about it is Bill is one of the very few people honest enough to say, I wanted to win. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of said, you know, you get the nomination, you're thrilled, but then you want to win. Yep. You don't want to lose. He said, "Um, I... If I'm not going to win, I really don't want to be nominated. And then he said, I don't really know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But that just kind of feeds into our whole, you know, how competitive he he is. is. He really is. And he's totally competitive at that. Now, um, I had a couple other things. One of them is um, more coverage of him backstage at the Emmys. And um, this I thought was good. And it it totally goes along with the competitive thing. Uh, Let's see. The Boston Legal star, discussing his Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in a Dramatic Series, explained that the breakfast of champions, Wheaties, along with not drinking, not smoking, and 
quote, loving passionately, are among his secrets for career longevity. Apparently, however, modesty doesn't rank as high. As why men in Hollywood can get away with having a natural physique and still be considered sexy, Shatner grinned broadly and claimed ignorance, noting he's got washboard abs and tremendous thighs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bill, you're so funny. Okay, and then... um, Let's see. Here's another piece of coverage. Sexiness was a running theme in the backstage conversations, beginning with the night's first interviewee, Boston Legal's William Shatner. Someone asked him how he accounted for his, quote, staying power. We're assuming the questioner meant his long showbiz (laughs) career, but Shatner's eyes gleamed. Technique, he deadpanned. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I bet he's got technique coming out his ears. You know, everything with Bill is about sex. Every goddamn thing he talks about. And that's why we love him. It always comes back to that. Let's see. Uh, Here's another one. So this is not directly related to the Emmys, but it was another piece of coverage uh, about him. And I think this was actually for, um, well, anyway, um, people say that life people who say that life ends at 70 are 69, Shatner says, and cracks up at his own line, (laughs) of course. Quote, if you have your health, there's no reason why it shouldn't go on. Within the normal limits of your ability to do things. Run, walk, make love, talk, think, breathe. You can continue to the full extent of your ability, which in some cases increases all the time. What you might lose, you make up for with tenacity or cunning or more finesse. 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 See, that's a, that's a, a finesse word uh, for te- technique. It is. He's got finesse and technique. He does. And tenacity. He, and tenacity. He can finesse me anytime. It's all about sex. It is. It's all about sex. It is. I love that. So, anyway, um, we, we, we were just thrilled that he yeah. won the Emmy and that there was so much TV coverage yeah. that before and after and all, and all of that stuff. So, um, we're in a good place with him right now because the new season of Boston Legal has started, so yep. he, he's in the news more. Yes. He's yes. all over the place. Well, did you know um, that he just was in New York City like yesterday doing a thing for Samsung? What was he doing? Um, it sounds like they were introducing some new products, or they have a big product show, like an uh-huh. expo of their products, and that he was sort of the the host of it and introduced it. That's interesting. So, Bill will still chill for anything. <laughs> that was pretty good. Two <laughs> Emmys and a and a Golden Globe aside, he is still out there. And that's the other thing I want to talk about. He did this little thing where he came out on The Tonight Show uh-huh. and signed a motorcycle that's oh, being right. auctioned for that, yeah. Katrina Relief. And um, so he, he he's supposed to just come out, say, hi, Jay, where's the motorcycle? I will sign it. I have signed it. Thanks. Goodbye. In between that, which is literally about all he said, he does manage to go, Boston Legal at 10 o'clock on ABC <laughs> Tuesday night. And I thought, this is part of why, if you're a producer, you want Bill Shatner doing your oh. show. He he goes on every show, and he will not talk about anything else until he gets it, all the plugs in. Of course. He, well, he did it on the red carpet for the Emmys. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, my show, Boston Legal. <laughs> 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 you know, probably handing out cards, <laughs> just like you and me at a con. <laughs> oh, man. He's the hardest working man in show business. He is. He, well, he has tenacity. <laughs> and finesse. And finesse. <laughs> I like those words. Longevity. <laughs> He has everything. He does. Oh, Bill, 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 Bill. Um, let's see. Were we going to read any more fan mail right now? Oh, yeah. We had some stuff we wanted to talk about. Okay. First of all, uh, the comments on the blog. Yes. We're, we're just getting so many comments, and we love them. They are they are so much fun, and, and people. I love the people going, I never looked at it mm-hmm. that way before. So we're, we're glad that we're helping you explore strange new worlds. But... <laughs> 
We also have to talk a little bit about a couple comments about that fabulous EVE <laughs> picture we so generously posted and shared. Yes, because you won't get that anywhere else. No, you won't. No. I own the picture. Um, and a couple people said that looks like a camel toe. Yeah. Okay, homework. Your homework is to go to the zoo <laughs> and look at a camel's foot. Because that's not a camel toe. And I don't think it's physically possible for a man to have a camel toe. Well, let me tell you. Okay. I, I have a little sermon prepared about that. Oh, fabulous. I'll just kick back with my diet burners. One of my most favorite websites to go look at once in a while is called The Camel Toe Report. And I'm looking at it right now. This is one of the funniest sites I have ever seen. And unfortunately, it's not updated as often as it could be. But um, I will put a link in and everybody can go look at it. And it's a site that's devoted to pictures of mostly women who have camel toe. I've been there, but it's been a long, long it's time. It's been a long time. The pictures of the women are hilarious. Yes. And in fact, they do look like camel toe. So, yes. so for those of you who are not familiar with this phrase, um, camel toe um, is referring to when a woman is wearing um, pants that are way too tight and the seam of the pants usually is right in the middle of her crotch. Yep. And it looks split. Yes. So this whole site has many, many, many pictures of women with camel toe, but they also have a section called men's toes. Okay, let's see it. And with some men, depending on how they're dressed, and here's a good example, um, it is kind of like camel toe. So if a man is wearing really tight pants, like mm -hmm. bi bicycle shorts, yes, like and this the seam guy goes is. right at the middle, and I guess it kind of splits it a little. It splits like it goes right in between his balls, I guess. Right. So you sort of have one on each side. I think it, you could claim that it's like a camel toe. But it's also got a bulge above it that's it not part of a camel toe. That's true. That's yeah. true. But, see, but, but see, that, that is picture, nothing. No, no, no. That picture of him is not camel toe. No, that is nothing like the picture of Bill. No. So if you want to see pictures of actual men camel toe, go to cameltoe.org and then you can see pictures and go, oh, this picture of Bill is not camel toe. No. Right. It's the real thing. So that's the lesson for today. Okay. Thank so, you for that, that sermon, Reverend Lena. <laughs> and now we will all rise and praise you or know, something. When I know about these things, I need to talk about them. <laughs> that's why we love you. Um, the other thing, another email I wanted to share... This is exactly the sort of thing we want to hear. In a recent show, we talked about our experience with the Starfleet Academy game. And how we suck. And how we <laughs> suck. And it, But a traumatic experience it was. We got an email Yay! from an actual gamer. And his name is uh, John Lewis, or maybe it's John Louis. I don't know. But anyway, he says, and this is a real gamer, I'm writing to you because I had a similar experience with mm -hmm. Starfleet Academy. First of all, I'm a gamer geek. Yay. I play anything and everything. So by all rights, I shouldn't be riding the short <laughs> shuttle to the Academy. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be with us because <laughs> we belong there. However, without a gamer guide to learn from, I suffered a similarly humiliating experience. <laughs> I like that he uses the word humiliating. <laughs> well, it was. It was, I know. <laughs> For all of us now. A friend of mine, when I lived in Hong Kong, invited me to his house to try out SFA on his home counter console. Naturally, being a Trekkie and a gamer, the idea of a Star Trek game appealed to me. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> we, we quickly skipped through the menus and set up a two-ship head-to-head skirmish. However, this was the first time I'd even heard of the game, let alone played it. I had no idea what any of my buttons did, <laughs> although I did have a joystick. 
and after exhausting my phaser bank, shooting into a misshapen <laughs> pixel. See, it was the same thing. What same, the hell was that thing? Which I had mistaken for the enemy ship, mm-hmm. which we thought was a mine. I was pummeled mercilessly mm-hmm. by my so-called friend, who at this point was far too engrossed in the task of exposing my crew to the ravenous <laughs> vacuum of space to explain any of the controls to me. Three more battles of struggling to retain an even keel whilst fumbling for my torpedo buttons left me with a rather dented view of the game. Whether I might have enjoyed it with a working knowledge of its mechanics is another question. Suffice to say, you are not alone. Thank God. Thank you, John. Oh, And also, John goes on to say, he, again, some of your emails are just hitting all our happy buttons. Well, most of them, the ones <laughs> we can talk about in the air. Um, he says, I can't. I can't say I have a great deal of affinity for Shatner's butt, although I am at least secure enough in my mm-hmm. sexuality to admit that he is a good-looking guy with a butt that any man would be very proud of. John, you're a real man. Absolutely. And I defy anyone to look at the little animated gif I made of Bill Shatner walking through the double doors and not just gape in amazement at his butt. And and if you, even if you don't say it out loud, your brain is going, Look at his butt! It's amazing. It's amazing. Finally, one last thing from John's email. He uh, asked us if some friends of his had written to us, and they haven't, so they have homework too. They present a gaming podcast and found an old Star Trek collectible card game whose box sets contain an option to send off for a card called Shirtless Kirk. (laughs) The the existence of a Shatner's butt (laughs) card cannot be either confirmed or denied. They said they were going to email you about it. Well, John and John's friends. I have right here in my hot little hand the shirtless Kirk card. And this came into my possession several years ago as a gift. As a gift. From my good friend Lena. And so we we would like to, to describe this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful card to you. So well, why don't you tell I, people about this? I will. And we'll put the image up so that everyone can see it. And I bought this card for JK because I couldn't not buy this card for her, <laughs> basically. Once I saw it, I looked at it and I went, Holy God! Um, it's a picture of Captain Kirk from the Charlie X episode, which uh, we'll be talking about sometime soon. And in the Charlie X episode, there's a wrestling match of sorts. And during this wrestling match, William Shatner is wearing a pair of very tight red tights. Very red tight very red, red tights. Very red tight red tights and nothing else. Yeah. And um, he looks pretty fucking hot. So <laughs> there he is, all sweaty. Right? He's sweaty in this picture. He's beautiful. And he's wearing his tights, and he looks great. And um, the best part is that the card says up at the top, (laughs) wild. It's a wild card. Yep. So it says, wild shirtless Kirk. TM. (laughs) This is the best part. So we spent a lot of time joking over whether Paramount had actually gone and trademarked shirtless Kirk as opposed to just Kirk. Kirk. If you look it up, there's a trademark for shirtless Kirk. There's one for like out of breath Kirk. There's one <laughs> rip shirt for Kirk. Rip shirt Kirk. Just everything Kirk. And then there's some text, which makes no sense, but I'll read it anyway. Yeah, I, this probably has something to do with the, the card game. So again, you're being exposed to our lack of game skills. Right. It says if Captain Kirk is in the landing party, it sounds like Fizzbin already, you may turn a challenge with the tempt action. Ooh, tempt. See, this all sounds good. Into the into a crew card, not a crew cut, a crew card. <laughs> Adding it to the landing party, semicolon. The challenge loses its actions and attributes and is discarded at the end of the episode. 
We have no idea what any of that means. Because we've never played this game. We have this game. We, I, we do? We, we have do, the card I, game? I have okay. the card game, yeah. Well, I understand that this is a rare card, and it normally, I, I brought it with me t- tonight, but it normally hangs on the bulletin board yeah. right above my computer. And I do not think of it as the card Lena gave me or the shirtless Kirk card. I think of it as the wild shirtless Kirk card. Wild. And wild shirtless Kirk inhabits my fantasies many times. <laughs> Shirtless Kirk. Oh, my God. TM. 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 So thank you, John, for bringing that up because I love having an excuse to talk about it and to stare at it. And the the only criticism of the card is that that meaningless text yeah. is sort of, in you know, going across the, the interesting bulges. Yeah. But it's... Um, he looks damn good. He, he looks beautiful. Yeah. And it's wild shirtless Wild Kirk. shirtless Kirk. TM. TM. <laughs> So what else? I've got a couple other things, but what else do you have? Um, I think that's all I have. Um, maybe we should take a break. Okay. We could do that. Um, all right. So upcoming in this show is we're going to watch Boston Legal. Yep. And we're going to talk about it. And then we've got about a bazillion other things to talk about, too. Yeah, the, the big list of topics. The big list of topics. Between you guys and all of the Shatner in the news lately, it, it really is, is hard to pick and choose it what is. we're going to actually cover. It's a 24-hour day job. So let's listen to some fun music and do a little commercial, and we'll be right back. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. A commercial? No way, dude. This is just to remind you. Email lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Website lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you. Send us anything. Email, audio comments, pictures. You send it to us and we'll talk about it. This whole podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. You've reached 1-877-SUE-TO-WIN, the law offices of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. No one is available to... Has ever told you how incredibly beautiful you are? Mr. Crane, I'm busy. No one is available to take your call right now. You want me. Mr. Crane, I'm serious. And be sure to watch Boston Legal, Tuesday nights at 10, 9 central on ABC. God, you're sexy. Danny, do not breathe on the back of my neck. It's over, so stop it right now before I sue you in this whole firm for harassment. She's wicked. I love it. All right. We're back. We're back. What you just heard... That that phone message thing. <laughs> it wasn't a real phone call, by the way, just in case you thought it was a real phone call. That we now had a phone-in show it's with not. a receptionist and William Shatner? And William Shatner. No, it's we not. don't have any of It was a commercial. <laughs> right, and it was, um, it's a number, it may still be active, I don't know, but if you dial one eight seven seven sue to win you reach the law offices of <laughs> Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to the ABC Boston Legal website, there's a button you can click and just listen to it. But we got a big kick out of that and wanted to share it with all of you. It was very funny. That's what they're doing to promote the new season of Boston Legal. And we just watched the first episode of Boston Legal. And how long did it take us to watch that? About 15 minutes? (laughs) A little more than that. A little more than that because we fast-forwarded through everything that was pretty much non-Shatner. Right. Which is the way to watch that show pretty much. (laughs) 
I tell you, I watched the whole thing as I was taping it mm-hmm. the other night. So I've now seen it once in regular time and once in look at his butt time. And which way did you like it better? Um, look at his butt time. Okay, good. Good. Just checking. Just checking. But um, I have to say, as a person who saw the whole thing, that I thought this was a pretty weak script mm. to open on. Um, because? Well, okay, first of all, most people are probably aware they got rid of some of the, the young regulars and are bringing on new mm-hmm. young regulars. And this um, this episode had three different cases going on. So in addition to following three different cases, two of which were idiotic, um, we're supposed to become interested in mm-hmm. these new characters who, because there are so many other cases and characters being introduced, you get no time with. Mm-hmm. So um, the strongest storyline, of course, was the, the, the case that um, Shatner and Spader mm-hmm. are trying, and the other two are just sort of killing time until we get to that. And even then, the script did not play to those characters' strengths. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. We should mention that one of the new characters uh, is a hobbit. Yes, a hobbit lawyer he with looks, messy hair. He looks like he's about 16. Yeah. So I don't think I'd be trusting him as my legal counsel. And he's um, he's some sort of junior lawyer mm-hmm. from what I was able to gather. Um, and he's he's an assistant to this other young new woman who's a, a senior associate, apparently. <laughs> Although she looks like she's about 22. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just barely older than him. So, I don't know. Denny must have made partner when he was 12. <laughs> He was the youngest partner in Crane Pulling Schmidt, you know, <laughs> right out of the academy. That's right. <laughs> right after he killed his best friend when he went telepathic psycho. <laughs> um, so what we were both observing as we watched this in uh, Look at His Butt Time was that the show is really at its best when it's focusing on the older characters mm-hmm. because they are much, much more interesting. Um, the acting is better on the whole because all of the older folks in the show actually know how to act. Well, and they bring more texture to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger people are playing more on one level, and mm-hmm. their level is I'm angry or I'm yeah. sexy mm-hmm. or whatever whatever they're at. And the older people are, are playing multiple levels, which is like real life. Yeah. And I think ABC doesn't know what to do with that mm-hmm. because they're going, okay, we've got this show. It's getting good ratings. It's winning Emmys, but we're not pulling in the young audience. Yeah. And so they keep throwing these young people in who cannot take the heat. No, they, they just can't. It's, it, it's interesting that they've got like three age ranges on the show. So there are the older actors like Shatner and Betty White and Candace Bergen mm-hmm. and, and Odo, who wasn't in this episode for some reason, who have all this experience and these incredibly well-rounded characters. Oh, and the guy who plays Betty White's boyfriend, what's his name, Henry? Uh, Bernard, Bernard is the I'm character sorry. name. Yeah. And he's a very good character actor. And I was really glad to see them continuing yeah. his story. So so that's the older set. And then there's the, the James Spader characters who are in their mid-40s. He actually said that in the show this week. Who's, some... Who else besides James Spader well, is in that? Um, Decker. I mean, he looks like he's supposed oh, to be a little yeah, bit older. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not, not a... Decker. <laughs> I know, but it's I don't... Brad. Okay, but he's Decker. He still looks younger than Spader, though, but okay, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, and, and then there's everybody else. Right. Who are all 20-somethings, mm-hmm. who are, you know, one-dimensional. So it would be nice if they could fill out the Spader level a little bit more with people who have a little more experience and are more interesting and, you know, bring something to the role. And there's, like, him, mm-hmm. pretty much. And I would say weed the younger people yeah. down to one mm-hmm. and make it an interesting character who is perhaps 
um, mentored by Decker or or Alan Shore or or somebody who would be in that role mm-hmm. of teaching them the ropes. But you know, you bring on these these young lovelies. Mm-hmm. Who you know walk around in their stiletto heels, and we're supposed to believe they're they're senior lawyers, and it would be much more interesting to see them grow into that. Yeah. And they're right now, especially in this episode, they were completely divorced from all the older people at the firm. Yeah, they, there no was interaction no at interaction. Yeah. It's like they were two different firms. Yep, yep. No, I I think that that's right. So who knows? Maybe they'll kill off some of the younger characters. That'd okay. be cool. Maybe Bernard will. Yeah. I'm counting on Bernard. He's, he's my ace. Or they could have some of them fall down elevator shafts. You know, that's been done before. Fall off Denny's balcony. Fall off. That would be good. That would be good. That would be really good. Um, we also have to talk about the lovely guest star. Oh, yes. Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear. Who, um, in the opening scene, I believe, um, had a vicious makeup artist who mm-hmm. went, Oh, honey, you've had a lot of surgery. Let's make sure everyone in the audience knows it. Because she was made up to show... How tightly pulled oh, everything it was, was. Her her eye makeup was specifically designed to enhance her Chinese eyes yes. from, the, from the facelift. Yep. You know, she was, it was really pretty dramatic the way that was going on. There. Yes, and yeah. the makeup was on pretty heavy. With she a looked, trowel. Yeah. yeah, she looked cement. She did. And, and, of course, if you've seen her, I mean, you can't tell in pictures, but she's completely Botoxed, so she can't move her face. Her eyebrows don't move, right. and her cheeks don't move, and her when she talks, her jaw moves, and it sort of makes her mouth go but open and shut. But yeah. that's the only part of her that's mobile. Really? Um, did she blink? I, you know, I forgot to check oh. to see whether her eyes could actually blink. I didn't. I didn't look for that. Okay. But um, yeah, I, halfway through it, I was thinking, and I mentioned to you that it was a really smart uh, move on their part to give her this character of a woman who doesn't show emotion mm-hmm. at all, because obviously she can't. Mm-hmm. So it plays to her strengths right. as, as an actor. Right. <laughs> and they're also in the process of um, breaking up the romance between Alan Shore and Tara. And I was thinking, you know, I liked Tara. She was okay mm-hmm. as a character. I didn't really g- get into her and everything. But really, a character of Alan Shore's complexity, I would love to see them pair him with a woman of equal dimension. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And wouldn't it be great if she wasn't a lawyer? And wouldn't it be great if she wasn't 23? Yeah, yeah. Someone his age, like in her mid-40s, who uh-huh. does something else other than lawyering so that not all of their time that we saw them together was spent talking about whatever damn case right. they were working on. That would be cool. Yes. I'd like that. So then we have to talk about the scene that I forced you to watch. <laughs> because no one would believe this scene if they did not see it with their own eyeballs. Uh, uh, so you didn't explain one thing to me. Why was the girl mute? That was never explained. That was one of the script oh, weaknesses. Oh, they just presented it as They that. just said, she's mute. There was a brief discussion, she's mute. Well, how can she testify in court? She plays the cello. She's going to testify with the cello? Yes. And the judge will allow it? Yes. Okay, so that was the scene that we watched. It was... <laughs> cello a, testimony. A cello testimony. This woman had been molested, and she had to testify against the guy who, interestingly enough, was played by the dad from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I look at him, that's all I can think. It's like, oh, it's Jim. (laughs) The dad. The dad. The dad. Um, Yeah, so she had to testify against him. And for some reason, Rupert Everett was playing the... the defense. No, because, no, no, they were the, on the prosecution side. Right, Sorry but about it's that. because he's British. Because he's British, yeah. And so he could be Tara's ex-boyfriend. Right. So that was his existence on the show, but he right. happened to be playing the uh, prosecution here. So he did a very dramatic 
I thought it was a nicely dramatic um, monologue in which was punctuated by her cello. But um, that's not leading the but witness. That's not, no, not leading the witness. <laughs> I mean, I don't really see how that could count as testimony. It was more like um, a play within a play. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't think legally that's binding. No. Really. No, I don't think musical testimony that has no words. No words. They could have taken that on the yeah. road, though. That they, would be, they could have. Yeah. So that was, to me, incredibly stupid, like jaw-droppingly stupid. And then there was a scene after that that I did not force Lena to watch, but she'll take my word for this, that it made even less sense than the cello <laughs> testimony scene, and that was the, the Hobbit at a deposition. Mm-hmm. That was really stupid. But what I'm leading up to with this is I am worried because David Kelly has said that he thinks next year... Um, if the show's nominated for an Emmy, it will not be in drama, it will be in comedy. Really? And so I'm looking at that sort of crap and going, is this the direction the show is going in? Because part of what has made it so appealing to me, and I think fairly unique, is this sort of 50% drama, 50% comedy Mm -hmm. thing it had going with none of the characters broadly playing comedy and just really doing a great job of walking that very thin line, never getting too far on Mm -hmm. either side of it. The writers were doing such a good job of that. It had this unique groove. And now if they're deciding to go that way, I'm going, I am am very worried, especially about Danny Crane's character. Yeah. Because part of what has made that so wonderful to watch is to watch Bill completely restrained, Mm -hmm. playing that even in the comic parts. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes with comedy, he tends to go very, very broad, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been doing that at all in this. No. Well, I think we saw last season, there was maybe one episode where they they let him get a little out of hand. I think it was the first one where Candace Bergen was introduced. Yes. And that was too much. Right. Clearly too much. And then they reined him right back in after that. And this episode, I felt, was kind of on the same thing, that the Denny Crane character was too much buffoonish. Mm-hmm. And all I'm thinking as I watched this was, to me, the reason he won the Emmy was the episode where he did the summing up in court mm-hmm. and talked about how he his character is pre-Alzheimer's. Yeah. And it was, it was so well played. Mm-hmm. And to see them again going to this buffoon thing kind of worries me. But as you pointed out, they pulled it back in. Right away, mm-hmm. and certainly the last scene was, in this oh, episode. I was just going to say that. Was, so that was the thing that we wanted to talk about was yes. the last scene. So um, if you haven't watched Boston Legal, the show has traditionally, I think, ended with them, with uh, Spader's character and Shatner's character sitting uh, outside in this very weird um, patio furniture <laughs> that they have. So they're they're sitting in these. Plas- you know what it is? What it's full size. Patio furniture from a doll's house. <laughs> it does. It, it's plastic furniture that's shaped like overstuffed chairs. Uh-huh. So they look like the kind of chairs you'd find in like a gentleman's club. They're huge. but they're, Except they're white. And, they're white and plastic. Yeah. It's very weird. And they're outside. And that's the part of the show where they have a little philosophy and, and get close with each other. And it, it's usually very understated, as it was in this episode. Mm-hmm. And Shatner's character was just spot on. Yep. He was great. He was wonderful. I love that part where uh, Alan was saying, well, she's innocent. And he goes, good. Makes it less interesting, mm-hmm. but good. Yeah. You know, he, he, there was just such a, 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 I keep using the word texture, but there was such a nicely textured yeah. reading of that line. Yeah, and, and it was so nice because the two characters are there. They're clearly in different worlds because Spader at this point is thinking about how he's going to get her off because he now mm-hmm. believes her to be innocent. And, Shatner is thinking about 
um, how this is another circus for him. And you can see, I mean, I could just see it in his performance that he's thinking about all the times he's done this before. I was just I, thinking that. I mean, that. he didn't say it at all, but you can just see it in mm-hmm. the way he talks. And, he, and and what he says at the end is savor it. Yes. The circus, the attention, just savor it. Sex with the client. Sex with the client <laughs> at the end, just savor it. And it was just so good, so very good. Right, and it's, it's a two-parter, <clears throat> so we haven't seen... Uh, the second part of it. But for those of you who have been following along, and I, and now we're going back to our our listeners who have been with us since mm-hmm. episode one is where I believe we talked about it, the, the Shatner Spader bed scene. Oh, yes, coming up soon, I hope. I think so. You know, there is a, a scene where they get pretty cozy, and we don't know much more than that. But looking at, ahead on this online TV listing that gave descriptions mm-hmm. of the episodes, there's one coming up, I believe, in another couple of weeks where they go off on a camping trip together. Mm-hmm. And, folks, I don't think you have to have been following KS Slash for the past 35 years to go, oh, well, <laughs> it's straight out of fanfic. But um, in this episode, it was set up for Alan to break up with Tara, who's right. leaving the show anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I guess then he's going to find his own true love with Denny. So we want to see where and, that goes. You know, they're so meant for each other. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They're like the perfect couple. They're great. <laughs> It works for me. Yeah, it would. <laughs> didn't, didn't we find some some uh, some slash on the web somewhere? Well, you know. Oh God. Oh. A TV show with two men in it only has to be on for a minute <laughs> before someone starts writing, writing slash, slash fan fiction about they're, it. It's just Mad Lib slash, though. I mean, they're just. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mad Lib slash. I like that. <laughs> they're just filling the names in. Yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> so we're gonna get um, Denny and Alan go ice fishing. <laughs> Well, that's what that episode looked like, didn't it? Yes! It's, okay, that's yeah. so funny. Maybe and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know? Alan comes down with the pond far. <laughs> They're good boys, you know. <laughs> oh, well, you can be sure there'll be plenty of screen capping when that happens. <laughs> From the TV From the with TV, our camera, with so you can all look camera. forward to more high-quality screen caps. Really? Oh, I guess if I bought a, I bought a TiVo. We'd be able to do it, but I am not buying a TiVo anytime me soon. Me neither. I don't watch enough television to make it worth a TiVo. No, me neither. Oh, my. That was great. So that's um, this week's Boston Legal segment. Right. Is there one on next week? Yes. Okay, good. The second part of this. Okay. Well, you know, it's irregular sometimes. I didn't know if they'd Well, usually one. at the beginning of the season, they'll show something yeah. for several weeks before they start preempting <laughs> it for football and, and award shows and yeah. God knows what else they're going to be doing. But, oh. yeah. Okay, great. Well, uh, terrific. So next show we will have um, summary of part two. Yes. Excellent. So if you've watched Boston Legal and you have an opinion, we'd like to know what you think. What did you think about this opening episode? And our email is lookathisbutt at gmail.com, or you can leave comments on the blog. Yes, thank you. We will be back in just a moment. So we're back for the third portion of the show. We're set now because we have um, a little package of Teddy Grahams here that we're eating. <laughs> They're cinnamon flavored. Keep our energy up. They're really good. They're good. Last time we did a show, I think I ate a whole bunch of Teddy Grahams, but they weren't 
cinnamon flavored. So um, we wanted to, to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about some of the wonderful things people have been sending us. And we got a wonderful email from a guy named Len, who, write, who has written to us many times. But he shared with us a wonderful, wonderful story about Kirklight <laughs> that I wanted to share with you. And to sort of recap for everybody who doesn't know, Kirklight, we posted a whole bunch of caps. You can find them on the, on the website. But it's this great light that they use on Kirk where most of his face is in shadow, but then one part of it is lit, usually the eyes, and it's it's a gorgeous light, and we love Kirk light. So uh, Len sent us this, and I want to read it to you. He says, I have a quote from David Gerald's book on Kirk light. In it, he credits Kirk for inventing it, but I'm not sure about that since they had done it before. <laughs> on page 141 of his Troubles with, Troubles with Tribbles, he wrote, they were about to shoot the scene where Kirk witnesses Decker's death. So we're talking about Doomsday Machine. Mm-hmm. Mark Daniels, direct, the director for this episode, suggested that Kirk show his grief and pain by lowering his face. At the same time, Jerry Finnerman, the director of photography, was making adjustments on a key light. Much of Star Trek's mood was set off by his creative use of colors and shadows. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. Shatner was sitting behind a uh, control console while Daniels and Finnerman discussed the best way to throw a shadow across him. Abruptly, Shatner suggested that the light be only across his eyes so that when he lowered his head, his face would go into shadow, thus heightening the effect of his grief. Daniels and Finnerman exchanged a glance. Well, said Daniels, it seemed like a good idea at the time. They tried it, and it worked. A little thing, perhaps. But it proved to me that William Shatner was a professional's professional. His first concern was the shit story and the show. And then Len has this to say. Did Bill invent Kirklight? <laughs> I don't know, but he obviously loved it and wanted as much of it as he could get. It's true. Then Len also sent us a picture of Picard in the Kirklight. That's right. And right. it absolutely does not work. It and does not Len work. says it doesn't work. I say it doesn't work. And Len said the words that it, I would. I said when I saw it, hey, Picard, Get out of the Kirk like. Get out of that Kirk like. You know, I wonder if Bill had um, what I'm now thinking of as a Marlena Dietrich moment. So this is the story of, of Marlena mm-hmm. Dietrich is that um, when she came to America, um, she changed her look dramatically because she was sort of a plain looking girl. And pudgy. And pudgy. So she lost a lot of weight and she dyed her hair blonde and they did a lot of things. And the photographers were constantly striving to capture her in still photographs in black and white in a way that was really flattering. And she's got very unusual lines to her face. And I have a book that actually shows a series of photographs with different types of lighting, like some from the side and this and that. And finally, one of her photographers tried this overhead lighting. And when she saw that result, that was it. She knew that that was the way she was going to be photographed for the rest of her life. And she was. That was the lighting trick that worked for her face to make her look so incredibly beautiful. And I think the same thing was to happen with Bill. He saw himself in the dailies one day with with Kirk light that just happened by accident. It was like, that's it. That's it. That's who I am. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. Hit me with the Kirk light. Hit me with the Kirk light. Yep. And I bet they called it Kirk light. I'm sure they did. I hope, they did. Maybe I hope that, they did. Maybe that's just another expression that you know we are bringing to the world: Kirklight and EVE. And wow. Um, actually, I think I. Well, I know who first used the expression Kirklight the really? first time I heard it called that. Who was Jonk? Well, typical. Yeah, she, she invents everything. She does. Do you think she'd let us trademark it though? Just share it with <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah, okay. of course. Okay. Wild shirtless Kirklight. Kim. Kirklight. And for those of you um, who haven't checked out the white Comanche screen caps from last time around, 
There's a picture of him with Kirk Light in White Comanche. I kid you right. not. And also, one of our our commenters, and I think it may have been Len, pointed out that in that opening shot of Shatner's butt when he's on the horse <laughs> with butt cleavage, the horse has butt cleavage. So everybody's trying to get in on the act <sighs> there, but Bill rules. Bill rules. So much butt in that. Um, moving right along, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Gregory Gray. <laughs> The amazing, awesome Gregory Gray, oh, our man in New Zealand, because he has been doing an amazing, fabulous job of creating images for us that I've been posting at the blog. If you haven't looked at them, go look at them. Um, he's going to be our designer when we actually do start doing our, our Star Trek sex toys. He is. Because he's already drawing them. Or he's so creative. So he's given us He's given us images of the thing that JK was asking for, which is the um, little communicator badge thing, the iPod thing. That was like badge size. Badge size, which is great. Um, he, he produced another one that was um, Borg-oriented, which was very weird <laughs> very and funny. interesting. He, he then produced um, the official sex toy for the enlisted people in Starfleet, which was a communicator with some bullets attached to it, which was kind of cool. And then uh, just today, he sent an image of um, the officer's version, I'm thinking, or it could be the Spock-only version. I do Vulcans are so kinky. They're wacky. He's wearing a mask, and he's got some little toys dangling off of him. And you know, I, I love the world of sex toys. I want to explore it a lot. But I'm scared of a sex toy that involves a welder's mask. <laughs> but maybe that's just Spock. <laughs> that makes I mean, it even scarier. I mean, it's like, you know, maybe the toys don't really go with the mask, you know? The mask is just Oh, him. his kink? Yes, that's <gasps> what I mean. That's what oh, I'm trying to say. Okay, well, yeah. Could be. And you know what? I know people who could write a really sicko Halloween story for that. Spock, the mask, and the sex toys. He's a freak. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Anyhow, so um, Gregory is just this... Um, unplumbable depth of creativity and we are so grateful so very grateful that he's doing all this for us oh it's great it's really just truly wonderful so on the topic of sex toys um i have something here in a box this is going to be a live thing which i wanted to show you she's getting out this black box so it's a black box which comes with a little pouch inside of it and this is just the most amazing thing (gasps) this is that toy this is the toy who sent it to you? Nobody. I bought it from oh, myself. Oh, you bought it yourself. Okay, I thought maybe one of our our no, listeners no, finally, no, no, you know, no. coughed up the cash. No, I was tired of waiting around for somebody to buy work? that damn thing for me. You have to hold down um, one of the buttons, and then it turns itself on, and it's got a light. Isn't that cute? This is a toy that's called the Lily. Right, it's made by a Lily. Swedish company. Um, I will put a link to it because it's very, very cool. Can you hear it humming? It turns up. If you hold your finger down, it increases the um, vibration. Oh, the microphone is perking up. Yeah. <gasps> <I laughs> Ooh. How do I turn it off? Uh, you press the other side, and you have to hold it for two seconds, and then okay. it shuts itself off. It kind of goes back in. I don't want to wear down your batteries. Well. This is a, a very, very deep plum purple color. It is It is ergonomically designed. It looks a little like a computer mouse, but it's mm-hmm. much smaller. It's a lot smaller than I thought it would be, which yeah. is just great. It locks so it doesn't turn itself on. It is rechargeable, so there's no batteries to take out. It just comes with a charger. Can you load your iTunes onto it? You know, <laughs> so I don't sings. know. I don't know. Maybe it does. This, folks, this is um, this is very small. This is like the nano of it sex is. toys. It, it is. It's a little nano. Wow. Isn't it cute? And it feels nice, too. It's got a, a texture to that, the, whatever the, yes, the, it's the plastic nice. is that it's made out of. So have you tested it? Not yet. Oh. I just got it yesterday. 
Very cool. I had to charge it up. That was like oh, the first right, like, right. Oh, oh, run over well, there. Well, congratulations. I have to tell you about my sex toy adventure. Oh. Then. Well, it's not, it's not as good as yours because I don't have a real sex toy yet. <laughs> as some of you may know, my rabbit pearl <laughs> isn't working properly because I was too much woman for it. So I wanted, you know, to replace it. And also, as you mentioned several shows back, after a few years, they get pretty damn noisy. Yeah. So I went online and thought, you know, there's variations of the rabbit pearl out yeah. there, and I've heard about them. And so Did I you get a Japanese pearl bird. Well, no, but I went, and there is a new version <gasps> of the rabbit pearl. It's called rabbit something else, and they put the rabbit part at a slightly different angle, Ooh. which intrigued me. And they also, in the write-up, says something about the pearls, but I couldn't understand it. <laughs> what they changed about the pearls, but. It is one of those where the controls are on the base. Oh, no. Oh. And I was at Good Vibrations site, and I started going through the sex toys, and that seems to be the trend. It's ridiculous. So I went to Blowfish to mm-hmm. see what they had, and they pretty much have the same thing. So now I'm going, okay, do I want my traditional rabbit pearl, which mm-hmm. I know I love and has the controls that I feel are, are more ergonomically yeah. satisfying yes. to me, or do I want this one that they, I think... In other ways, it would be satisfying <laughs> if I could ever get the controls working the way I want them to. So I don't know what to do. But if you are folks thinking about rabbit pearls on goodvibrations.com, mm-hmm. the rabbit pearl is like $76. Oh. On Blowfish, it's 59 Ooh, that's a really good price. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to keep you guys posted what, what way I decide to go. Okay. That but a, really what I'm looking for is a rabbit pearl with remote control but with this different angle, because I just think that sounds like fun. That sounds really good. Well, um, if you um, shoot me the links for that, I'll put it up there, and maybe we I can will. have some comments from people to talk about it. And while we're on the subject of sex toys, let me say that our correspondent has not provided any sort of input whatsoever for the, the nitro, the male version of the, right. the vibrance thing. So um, you out there, you owe us something. That's right. And we do want to do a segment at some point on sex toys for guys. Yeah. Which will mainly be us just speculating and giggling, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what that's most right. of this show is. Yeah, that that's totally fine. So okay, good. Well, I feel good. We fulfilled our sex toy talk. Yes. For this show. And thank you for sharing the lily with me. And I hope you will be reporting to us about the I, wonders. I of absolutely it. will. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so speaking of um, wild and strange things, I think you have a little story to tell us here. Well, it's about my urban legend. Yes, the urban legend. Um, as you as you. Listeners know that um, an urban legend accidentally sprang <laughs> up at a convention called VCon that I had written a, a slash Kirk Spock <laughs> story that was so repugnant that William Shatner wrote me a letter telling me how awful it was. Okay, this never happened, all right? <laughs> Let's be perfectly clear. So, you know, I tracked it down. I, I found out, you know, how it all sort of got started through a person reporting on a con and not reporting accurately. And the um, one of the people I've been corresponding with is Magic Rat, who was the moderator mm-hmm. of the panel where this happened. She's a friend. I know her from prior to this urban legend stuff, but she's doing what she can to uh, perpetuate the urban legend I want to have happen, <laughs> which is that I wrote such an incredibly sexy story that William Shatner mm-hmm. contacted me. So that's the urban legend we all have to work on. But I had also mentioned to her, and we're going to link to her blog because she tells her version of what happened at the con, which is pretty funny. But, um, she said she is looking for the truly repugnant oh, fanfic, good, good. one so horrible. And here's her, her report on that. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, it has been hard, my lady, very hard. I've learned far more about Vulcan biology than I ever needed to know. Is Spock's dick really green? Spock does not look green to me. <laughs> ben, this is the really frightening part. I've heard rumors of a Mr. Spock Gandalf <gasps> crossover Empress. Oh, God. I'm trying oh. to track down, but I think the author took it down. I don't think I'm brave. I think I am very, very <laughs> sick. So, Lena, do you want to explain to people what an MPREG is? Oh, I suppose someone should. Someone uh, should. We should well, share the pain. It's you know, in our in our wanderings through the world of fan fiction, we encounter many many things, and we try not to be judgmental about them because you know. <laughs> People like different things. Yep, they want to write yep. their own fanfic. But I can't think of anybody that I know among our circle of friends who actually likes that stuff. No, we all hate we it. We all hate it. That's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> really saying something. Mpreg is a story in which one, well, it has to be a slash story, which is two men mm-hmm. who are having sex, and one of them gets pregnant. Hence, Mpreg, male pregnancy. Right. There seem to be thousands of those stories that are Lord of the Rings fanfic with one of the hobbits always getting pregnant. And it's always Merry, I think. <laughs> Mary's the fertile <laughs> hobbit. I don't know. It's ridiculous. And there have been lots of them in Trek. Oh my God, there have been lots of them in Trek. And you know what's really weird? I mean, the thing about... Okay, now this is like we're into another thing now, but here's my little rant about Impreg. <laughs> okay. So you're writing fanfic about Star Trek. You're writing about Kirk and Spock together. Two of the most male characters that you could take. I mean, especially Kirk, but Spock is very male in his own way. You know, he has some feminine qualities, but, you know, he's male. And you put them together, and they both become women. It's not that one of them becomes a woman. (laughs) They become like lesbian moms. It's true. One of them gets pregnant, and they're both, and it's Kirk, usually. I mean, the ones that I've read has been Kirk getting pregnant. And it gets very, very domestic. And you and I have talked oh. about this, that that a huge portion of Slash is ostensibly about two men. Yeah. But one of them, as you read this, is always the female character. Yeah. It's always weepy, always weak, needing reassurance, needing the support mm-hmm. of the man. And and then, of course, he logically does end up pregnant. And what's scary to me now is now, thanks to advances in modern science, <laughs> people actually do argue and can make the argument that male pregnancy is going to be a possibility uh, by then. And yeah. I'm going, yeah, but it still creeps me out. I don't care. I, it creeps me out, too. And it, it's very... The purpose of the pregnancy in those stories is to make one character as feminine as possible. I mean, there is no more feminine thing than getting pregnant. Apparently not. It's just the default. Um, And also to give them a child that is legitimately theirs. Mm -hmm. Because that's an important part of the story, right? If you're going to write them as a family unit, they can't adopt a kid or take somebody else's kid. It has to be their kid. Because that's important somehow to the characters. So that's the only way that it can be done. But, um, yeah, they're not good stories. And uh, I think that fantasy of one of them being pregnant and having a child spawned a whole really bad um, class of Trek fiction that we were calling Tupper Trek. And that is a, a word I picked up at a con. That's really? Oh, I thought made... you invented that. No, oh. that, came, that came to me courtesy of T. Jonesy, oh. who is a wonderful, wonderful writer and very, very funny. And this was in my early days in fan fiction, and I was, you know, still still learning what's what. And I was talking to her at a con about, oh, I just I just hate when it gets so girly. Mm-hmm. And she goes, 
Yeah, that's called Tupper Trek. <laughs> and it's it's the perfect term for it. It's true. I, I just, I don't get it. You know, why why do you want to write fan fiction about science fiction in a, a world that's different from ours in good ways, especially if you're talking about the original series Trek, you know, it's the future where everybody is better and things are more interesting and there's no poverty and, you know, a lot of our problems have been solved and essentially turn it into the life that you'd like to have right now. Like, what is that? I don't know. And I know in fan fiction, especially with Star Trek, because it's set in a completely different world than ours, I think part of what makes it interesting and fun for the writer and fun for the reader when you bring in sort of the 23rd century version mm-hmm. of contemporary life elements. But then you're, you're sort of either commenting on Trek or commenting on, on modern life, and that gives it something else. Yeah. This is just a guy is pregnant and acting like a woman, uh, a stay-at-home housewife mom from 1955. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. But I, I, the thing that gets me most is that's clearly what the author wants, that's who they want to be. Right. You know, they want to be... Can I even say this and have my head not explode? <laughs> I mean... What, I'm leaning back. <laughs> they want to be... The author wants to be a guy, first of all, but not a, a, a guy guy, a real guy, wants to be, you know, a, a woman in a guy's body who has all of the rights and privileges that a guy would have but has the right to be all weepy and depending on a partner and having this little family unit without all of the trouble and strife that would come from having to do it right now in the 21st century in whatever circumstance they have. Like the idealized family unit that doesn't include them as their, themselves. It has to be in, in a male body. Did you include a trail of breadcrumbs in that <laughs> thought? Because i got to tell you, Hansel, I can't find my way well, back to the gingerbread guy. You know, I mean... <laughs> It just uh, it just grows off of the whole Mary Sue thing, oh, you yeah. know. So it's a Mary Sue, but one step removed. I think for most people writing fanfic, there is always an element of Mary Sue sure. to the impulse. Yeah, and it's just a question of of how you handle it and where you go with well, it. Well, people would some people would say that all fic is like that. And I think to not just fanfic. Oh no no no! I mean like every piece of fiction that's ever been written. And you know, <laughs> an, an awful lot of my favorite fiction, I'm realizing is is ones where I can very clearly hear the author's voice or mm-hmm. see the author in one of the characters. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I have a natural prejudice against it. But you have to be a good storyteller. Whether you're writing real fiction, fan fiction, whatever, you have to be a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. And the Empregs are not. No, no. Oh, they're terrible. Okay, so getting back to this. <laughs> now that you guys Spock, heard more than you ever and, wanted to know. And you, you've all finished throwing up and have come back now. Spock Gandalf. Oh, oh, Which one gets oh, pregnant? Oh, I I don't... I can't even think about it. Well, I don't think Can- Gandalf could get pregnant. I mean, he's not human. Neither is Spock! Well, he's half human. What is Gandalf? He's a Maya. Didn't you know that? Didn't no. Didn't talk about that? Oh, no. yeah. Yeah, so he's not even... I mean, okay, the people in Middle-earth aren't human. Uh-huh. They're whatever they are. But they reproduce in some they, way. They hobbits repro- aren't yeah, human, and no, there are no, little I mean, hobbits. They reproduce in the regular little way. Little Frodo lad and Rosie but, girl. Yeah, so let me get all geeky on Lord of the Rings. So, okay. So the five wizards who, who were sent to Middle-earth were little demigods, essentially, uh-huh. and they came from beyond the sea, and they were little Maya. Okay. So, actually, Do you think of, of a thing like that is going to stop an M-pregnant? No, 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 no. Of course not. <laughs> so see, the interesting thing is that in the hierarchy of the gods in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf and Sauron are actually at the same level. Right, I understand that. Because they're both Maya. But Sauron is a bad one, and Gandalf is a good one. 
Okay. So who gets pregnant? <laughs> no, I think that um, Sauron and Saruman were dating. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because they were doing it on the internet. That's right. They were doing internet dating. That was funny. I just, I... I don't know. When you look at any slash couple, if you know the two characters, you can, you can usually pick out which one is yeah. the impregers are going to make into the impregee. Oh, but God. those I, you know, two. I don't know. I guess it would have to be Spock. Why? Because he just seems he's easier to write as weepy and angsty, and because <laughs> he is. I mean, weepy, <laughs> angsty, certainly yeah. weepy. I don't know. I think. I think you know. The idea of Spock being weepy was kind of ruined for me in fan fiction by seeing him be weepy on the show. You know, yeah. I never told my mother I loved her. I just want to slap him and go, you stupid geek boy. Go squeeze your pimples. You know, I don't, yeah. So here's the big question about the Spock Gandalf thing is where does it take place? Is it in Middle Earth or is it on the Enterprise or somewhere else? Middle Delta Quadrant. <laughs> they, they went one step further. It's in like the Harry Potter universe, you know? They just picked a random third party. <laughs> No, no, it's in the Highlander universe. <laughs> and the Highlanders are their midwives. It's on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where it happens. That's where they get pregnant oh, is in a really romantic moment yeah. on the beach in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. And then they went to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you have to buy baby clothes and stuff. Oh, God. So we are... Um to spare you all, I don't think we're ever going to link to any of that really bad fanfic because it would just be too painful. If you want to find it, just, you know, type Mpreg into your Google or Mpreg Spock or Star Trek. You'll find it. You'll, it's you'll there. Oh, God, it's there. It. Yep. It's all over the place. Okay. Have we had enough of that? I think so. I think we've had more than enough of that. So, um, to close the show... But uh, thank you, Magic Rat, and please thank do... Thank you. Please do keep us posted in your quest. <laughs> right. And for those of you out there who are in fanfic community, please don't send us any Mpreg, because I don't want to read it. No. And Gregory, please don't do any drawings of pregnant Spock. <laughs> please. No. Thank you. Although Gregory's too classy. He would never, he would never inflict do that. that never, on us. Never do that. Okay. So, um, this last news item came to us... Um, via uh, yahoo.com and I will read it. It says in March, TV land will launch living in TV land, a series based on a 2004 special that chronicled the day at the racetrack with eight is enough pop Dick Van Patten. The roster of day in the life of stars include the Brady Bunch's Barry Williams, um, Adam West, Batman's Adam West fly fishing in Idaho. Additional play dates are being planned for Sherman Hemsley, William Shatner and Davy Jones of the monkeys. (laughs) Uh, the Love Boat cast goes back to work on a real cruise ship. How do you like that? That's going to be I hope they one. have really crappy jobs. Yeah. And they get no tips. So we are very curious to see what that's happening. Now, it implies from this that um, there, these people might actually interact with each other, but I don't think that's the case. I think each show individually is about a different guy. Or they each have their own segments. So, yeah. you know, you do Adam West's fly fishing segment and you do Bill and his horses yeah. or something. Yeah. So that, that will be very interesting. Um so the one reason that I wanted to mention this was really to plug a piece of fan fiction that we wrote a long time ago. Um, and this was because... Wait a minute. Does anybody get pregnant in it? No. Are you sure? Oh, my God. Did somebody get pregnant in I that? I think there might be some mpreg. But, oh. but this was satire, okay? <laughs> this is not serious mpreg. It was, it was broad. It was parody. It was it, painted with brush strokes from, like, 
I don't know, the biggest brush you could possibly That's right. This was a parody of parody of parody. For some reason, we all got, um, JK and I and our fanfic friends all got very um, twistedly involved in the monkeys a while ago. And whose fault was it? It was mine. Who pointed us at that? It was mine. It was you. It was definitely me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for it, though, because it was fun. Well, it made me laugh so hard that I wet my pants, you know, so... So Not we, necessarily the stuff we wrote, the stuff people were seriously stuff writing. People were seriously writing. So we ended up, six of us, ended up writing a round robin that was sort of the monkeys meet Star Trek. And we, we came together as an entity. Yeah. Called? called Monkey Lover. That's right. Which, um, there is still a website up for Monkey Lover, as far as I know. I will provide the link to it. And um, the story that we wrote is really funny and really bad. And... Uh, pretty much makes no sense but man is it funny i'm wondering if it's funny to us because we had read so much bad monkey fic and we were incorporating things like the fact that they make up their own words (laughs) and they always refer to them by their full names and it's always mike nesmith their Their leader leader. you know so we were picking up on that and i'm wondering how funny it is to anybody who merely knows about the monkeys in star trek without knowing about all the strange fanfic that's out there i don't know well so here's a test fans (laughs) <laughs> Here's your homework. Here's more homework. If you have a couple of minutes, go to the site and click on the link that I'm going to put in for the one story that we wrote. And um, tell us if you think it's funny, because we'd like to know if it's funny, because we think it's funny. We read that story out loud to each other, and we're like falling off the well, chair. Well, and it's, it's six people who wrote it for the entertainment of those six people. Yeah. So it might be too much of an in-joke, but you might also get a kick out of it. So the one really good thing that came out of it... Um, <laughs> I know what it is, and I'm already laughing because it makes me laugh every time. I had the idea that um, Uhura should feature very prominently in this story, and somehow it came to me that she should be the leader of an all-girl band. So she became, because she should be the captain, it was Captain Uhura and her all-girl band. And there was another story that followed up where Captain Uhura and her all-girl band had a battle of the bands with the monkeys, and they won. Of course they won. I mean, they had to win. But I just love that concept of... And, you know, Captain Uhura and her all-girl band sort of showed up in uh, um, the the Nexus story. Oh, The, that's the Russian almost that's scre- that's always screams twice. twice. In right. fact, Captain Uhura is kind of a, a meme. She is. <laughs> she is. And her all-girl band. They ride motorcycles. They do. Which I love. And they sort of dress like the Mirror Universe uh, Uhura. Yeah. With the thigh-high boots and the, the little miniskirt. And they rock. Oh, they so rock. So speaking of rocking, yeah, we're going to close out with the rest of William Shatner, Shatner the live version by, by the, the Scofflaws, and I think you'll just get a huge kick out of it. It's wonderful. Oh, so until next time, look at his butt and rock on. Shoot! And he's telling you to be deadly. 
you're staring down by the blood that dooms every day. I really like the one where I'm in the Constitution and they're adding out of fire. And I do the revolution. Uyo! Shaka! Uyo! Shaka!